Not, never, he certainly, ataha, beyond this, anya, any other, shiva, auspicious, panta, means, vishita, wandering, samsritao, in the material world, iha, in this life, vasudeva, unto Lord Vasudeva, Krishna, bhagavati, the personality of Godhead, bhakti yoga, direct devotional service, yataha, wherein, bhavet, may result in. Translation. Uh, this is Sukadev speaking to Prakrit. For those who are wandering in the material universe, there is no more auspicious means of deliverance than what is aimed at in the direct devotional service of Lord Krishna. Purport. As will be clarified in the next verse, devotional service or direct bhakti yoga is the only absolute and auspicious means of deliverance from the grip of material existence. There are many indirect methods for deliverance from the clutches of material existence, but none of them is as easy and auspicious as bhakti-yoga. The means of jnana and yoga and other allied disciplines are not independent in delivering a performer. Such activities help one to reach the stage of bhakti-yoga after many, many years. In the Bhagavad Gita 12.5 it is said that those who are attached to the impersonal feature of the Absolute are liable to many troubles in the pursuit of their desired goal. And the empiricists, philosophers, searching after the absolute truth, realize the importance of Vasudeva realization as all, all, as all in all after many, many births. Bhagavad Gita 719. Let me all turn it together. As far as yoga systems are concerned, it is also said in the Bhagavad Gita 647 that amongst the mystics who pursue the absolute truth, the one who is always engaged in the service of the Lord is the greatest of all. And the last instruction in the Bhagavad Gita 1866 advises fully surrendering unto the Lord, leaving aside all other engagements or different processes for self-realization and liberation from material bondage. And the purpose of all Vedic literatures is to induce one to accept the transcendental loving service of the Lord by all means. As already explained in the texts of Srimad Bhagavatam, first came up, either direct bhakti yoga or the means which ultimately culminate in bhakti yoga without any tinge of fruit of activity constitutes the highest form of religion. Everything else is simply a waste of time for the performer. Srila Sridhar Swami and all other acharyas like Jiva Goswami agree that bhakti yoga is not only easy, simple, natural, and free from trouble, but is the only source of happiness for the human being. Om Jnana Timarandasya Jnana Minasalakya Chakshur Unmiratam Mena Tasmai Shri Urvedam I was born in darkness of ignorance, but my spiritual master, Srila Prabhupada, opened my eyes with the torchlight of knowledge. I offer my humble obeisance of him and all members of Sri Parampara with the simple succession. So, in reading this verse in purport, I got the distinct feeling that Srila Prabhupada's books are like a mine you know, filled with rare and wonderful, valuable jewels. And this is one of the 
jewels you can mine from Prabhupada's books. This verse and its purport is so conclusive and so enlightening. Uh, and you'll see this whole, we're at the end of this chapter, it kind of reaches a crescendo of pure nectar flowing. And we'll, we'll explore the remaining verses tomorrow. So, this is a, uh, it's interesting because this chapter begins with a uh, description of the Vishwaru, that, that Sukadeva is instructing Prakrit how to meditate. Because the, the larger question that Prakrit asks, what should I do now? I've only got seven days. And what should one hear? What should one do at the time of death? Uh, so he begins the second canto, which is really a, another beginning of the Bhagavatam. Kind of the first chapter is a long introduction. There's many very essential uh, instructions there, don't get me wrong. But the whole thing really describes how the Bhagavatam came to be written and how Prigat came to give up his kingdom and sit down by the bank of the Ganges of the Una and uh, to hear the Bhagavatam. So the second canon begins again with Om Namo Bhagavati Vasudevaya. You may notice that. And Sugadev is, uh, first he praises the question. You know, this is such a key question. But he said, wonderful question. That the question and the answer that's given benefits the whole world. Those who are hearing it, those who are speaking it. But it's rare to find someone asking this question. Most of you get shota vyadini rajinya nyanam sandhisa hasyata apashyata matatattam viheshu vihamedina. We are them means materialistic householders, the general populace. There's thousands and millions of subject matters for hearing. We have that exp- expanded at exponential degree by the internet. It's just a huge tower of Babel, except for those few corners, you know, where there's Krishna Kata, which is also wonderful. You can hear kirtans from all over the world. You can attend Mangalaki, you can put Dhaban if you want. But, uh, Basically, this is the, the, uh, one of the main means in which maya it binds the soul to this world, the conditioned soul, through material sound vibration, which are reflective of material thoughts. So, he's describing in a few verses the general situation of people who are not asking these questions or hearing Krishna Gita. So, what are they doing? Uh, so at night time, basically the whole um, program, as Prabhupada mentioned at the very end of this purport, uh, Bhakti Yoga, the second last paragraph, Bhakti Yoga is the direct, uh, is a means for ultimate culmination of without any tinge of fruit of activity constitutes the highest form of religion. Everything else is simply a waste of time for the performer. This is a very revolutionary statement. Everything else, all that I'm doing to, to try to maintain my family, maintain my body. Yeah, he's condemning it. That, that if that's all you're doing, of course you have to keep body and soul together, but uh, then it's simply wasting your time. So that's what he says here. At night, there's a big waste of time with sleeping too much. Nidreya riyade naktam. Sleep is, takes away the night. Or sex life, those two activities at night. Uh, and then during the day, um, most of the time, uh, working very hard to make some money to to support the children and the rest of the household. So basically, at night time, sleeping and having sex, daytime, 
uh, working very hard to make some money, and then the weekend, shopping. <laughs> or some other diversion, right? Now, in this endeavor, naturally there's a need to protect oneself from the onslaught of the material energy. And everyone knows that, materialists as well. So therefore, they, they, they take shelter of what is called fallible soldiers, probably the famous phrase. The first uh, uh, barrier of defense is strong body, right? So everyone's trying to keep his health and everything. Okay, fine. And then there's the, the children and the wife and the extended family and the bank balance. And these are all he describes as fallible soldiers. They ultimately cannot protect you from the force of time and the disease, old age, and death, and the threefold misery. But we think they can. And then he said something very interesting. Is that, why are they fallible? Because these, these soldiers themselves are destroyed by time. Body certainly is, everything dissolved. Teisham uh, pramatto, because, because one is maddened by maya, threefold misery, the three, three uh, modes of nature, sorry. Teisham pramatto nidanam kosham. One can easily see, it's no mystery, that such soldiers have been destroyed in the past. Just like you have your, your father, you rely on that when you get down, gradually grows older, and he dies, and you know your grandfather dies. It's not a, it's not a mystery. So, but even though one sees, one doesn't really see. In other words, it doesn't reach deep into side and realize this is, this is a losing proposition, let me look elsewhere. You see, that's the idea. So therefore, he says, he says therefore, Tasmad If one wants fearlessness at the time of death, Abhayam, then you have to do this. O Bharata, glorious descendant of Bharata. You have to worship him. He has four designations of the Supreme Personality of God, so there's no confusion of his meaning. Bhagavan, Sarvatma, Bhagavan Ishwarohari. The Super Soul, Supreme Personality of Godhead, the Supreme Control, and Lord Hari. He takes away all your misery and steals away your heart. Uh, what to do? Shrotavya, hear about him, hear to w, chant about him, and smart to remember him. So, right at the beginning of this, of this second canon of Bhagavatam, the essence of the whole practice is, is here. And what's the result of this? He says, well, the perfection is etavak samkhi yoga vyam swadharma padinishtiya. Janma Lava Kodakongsam Ante Narayana Smriti. That one line at the end of the book, memorizing. That's the whole goal. Is that whatever you do in your practices, Etaman Sankhya, analytical practice, yoga, or performing your activities for Dharma, Padinishtaya, the perfection of it will be, the success of it will be, if it can help you to remember Narayan, Krishna, at the time of death. That's the whole point. Whatever you think of, young young bhapi smothering bhavam to the jandekalevadam. Whatever you think of at the time of death, that will be can, that will determine your next life. And then the previous verse says, if you can remember me, then you come to me. Antakale, the end time, the end time of this particular body. So, and the general principle is whatever you think of. So, so the the idea is that. Okay, the, sen- the, the thoughts that I uh, uh, engage in during this lifetime accumulate to determine the thought that you'll have at the end of life. That's in the purport to that, that verse, I think, Yang Yang Bhavi's coming or the pre- previous one. So, 
Then, then, it, then it describes uh, in that chapter the process of yoga. And he's, uh, I, I was reading through the chapter, I think the, the first chapter deals with the, with the Vishnu, but that's still there. That's kind of the first step in God realization. Just like we have chapter 7, the first step uh, is to understand that, that God or Krishna is everywhere through his energies and to see him working through those energies. That's what that whole Russell Holmes Sakantaya series is. Whenever you taste some water, think, oh, this is Krishna. He's created the water, he's created the tongue, he's created the sense of taste. Where is there no Krishna here? You know, whenever you see the light of the sun and the moon, don't just think, oh, that's a, be- that's a beautiful sunrise. This is Krishna. He's created the sun, he's the sunshine. You remember those, those verses? It's, it's similar to the idea of seeing him through the uh, Vishuru, the, which it says right there is imaginary right in, in the text. But it's, it helps us to begin to, to see God everywhere, the divine in the material energy. But now at the, end, at the end of the second chapter here, he's saying basically, okay, that's, that's, that's the first step. But the whole thing is culminated in this uh, remembrance. Uh, means of a, is a, aimed at direct devotional service to Lord Krishna. This is beyond the, the Vishnu, it's beyond seeing Krishna in the material energy. This is, this is a, you know, the pure devotional service, which is the aim and goal of this whole movement. You know, you know uh, every, every uh, organization, every company, they try to come up with a mission statement, you know, that will kind of inspire the workers and be something as opposed to it. So we have our mission statement. It's right there in the Bhakti Rasamana Sindhu. Annyabhilashata sunyam jnana karma dinabhatam anukurina krishna nushiranam bhakti uttama. This movement is really designed around this, the teachings of Rupa Goswami and the Bhakti Rasamana Sindhu. It gives us you know, what to do, what to avoid, offenses to be avoided, describing the different rasas, describing the means of, 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 of uh, elevating oneself and these different things. It's a very essential book. And right near the beginning, the first chapter, I think 11 verse, this is the statement, the foundational statement of the, of the, of the movement. And what he's saying there, first he said, well, this is what it isn't. This is what, this is what bhakti isn't. It must be devoid of other desires. <coughs> and he'll say what, what the desire should be, but he says other desires under the, under the heading of jnana, karma, etc. The jnana is shorthand for desire for liberation. Because generally the jnanis, they try to approach the thing through intellectual, try to analyze what's not this, not this, not this, and if you come to the pure spirit, Brahman, that's me. I'm Brahman. I'm one emerges the supreme Brahman. It generally leads to impersonal. But that, as we've been studying with Pallad, that's a personal desire. The desire for oneself to be liberated, if that's all you, you desire, that's not bhakti. That's, that's called muktikami, muktikama. Your own ardent desire to be free of all misery. You know. And I was just here this morning, Harvard's uh, telling about how it's, it's always a failure. You know, Prabhupada quotes here, he quote, although he doesn't quote Sanskrit here, but he's uh, referring to the verse in the uh, uh, 12th chapter, 12.5, uh, that those who are attached to the impersonal are liable to many troubles. So, Avyakta uh, means the invisible. That which you can't describe. In other words, nirvishesha, which we're being delivered from. Nirvishesha shunivadi, by Prabhupada's words, he's giving us Lord Chaitanya's teachings. So, 
That's the first thing you have to give up. And then there's karma. Karma is, is, is standard material food of desire, you know, activities. Anadvatam, not covered, not obscured or diluted. This, this bhakti we're trying to, to, to perform has to be devoid completely of any other desire in these categories. And uh, the, it's described by Kapiladev. Karma, Mishra, Bhakti, Jnana, Mishra, Bhakti. You know, he says this is, you know, practicing is like pouring ghee into, a, into a ashes. You really you make, make a lot of effort, but you're not getting anywhere. So that's, uh, that's what it isn't. So what is it? Anukulena Krishna Nushilamam. That's, that's what he meant. Anukrishna Nushilamam. Mean uh, intentionally serving Krishna in order to please him. Not by accident, you know. Uh, not just thinking of Krishna, like Kamsa, he was obsessed with Krishna, right? He had, he had much more constant remembrance than we have. <laughs> but it was all based on fear and terror, you know. No, it's it, 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 acting for Krishna intentionally, favorably, at all times, in all places. Sarvatra Sarvata, that phrase comes in in one of the verses too. Everywhere and always, you know. That's the pure devotion that we're aiming for. Not easy. Because we're now sarvatra sarvada acting with our, for our own interests, you know, mostly within, you know, uh, these categories. The desire for liberation is just an extreme example of all of this uh, incredible effort that we make in this modern society to avoid the troubles, you know. The huge edifice, truly multi-trillion dollar edifice of medical, all the, the hospitals and the insurance and the devices and... The, and and the, the, uh, the drugs, you know, it's all a symptom of liberation, desire for liberation from suffering. That's what, that's what it's all about. Now, those who are intelligent know that that's hopeless, you know, that uh, to, to really get liberation, you have to be free from the material body entirely. Well, that's not so easy, you know. So the, to burn out the, those desires, let's practice some austerities, you know, because I want to do this one or that, all right. You know, I'll se- separate myself as I go to a- alone. Remember Prahlad? They go where there's no people. Vijane, Naparata, Nishta. But Svavimukti Kama, he uses that phrase, just wanting a- a- their own uh, liberation. So then what do they do alone? Well, then you have the- your desires that you've built up over many lifetimes in this life, then that stays with you. Just being alone is not going to help. You have to perform severe austerities. You know, it's, 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 it's wintertime, all right, let's find a nice icy stream and break the ice and go and sit there. It's summertime, oh, the desert, oh, let's go out in the desert, build some fires and sit there, you know, really burn out the desire. That's called Aruha Kritrena in the verse, in the second, in the second chapter, 10th Kano, the famous verse. The demigods are praying to Krishna in the room. He said, beside the bhaktas, the devotees, there are others who imagine themselves to be liberated after performing the severe austerities. Now, don't get the wrong idea. There's very, very few who can actually arrive up to the Brahmin platform. But those few who do it, by these quick train of, you know, austerities I can describe, they can come there up to the Brahmin platform for some time. But it doesn't last. It's unnatural. It's like um, sensory deprivation chamber, you know? If you go in there, the temperature is just right. They've got it. You're floating in there. You're practically weightless. You know all of the distractions and horrors of the outside world. You get ah. Let me just lie back. How long can it last? (laughs) At a certain point, you know, you're going to get hungry. 
uh, you know, just being in a, in a body. But even if you're not in a physical body, the soul is, is by nature active. We're part and parcel of Krishna. Krishna doesn't meditate. He's, you know, there's so much to do in Vrindavan, right? Day and night, right? There's so many, so many engagements. We are part and parcel of Krishna. We're persons. We have desire for activity, interaction, relationship, rasa. Uh, it's all perverted in the material sphere, but it doesn't disappear when you're able to, you know, separate yourself from the body. So, aruhukachena param padam. Param padam is Brahma Buddha, you know, padam They fall down again because they're averse to worshiping the Lord's feet. This is the fallacy of the impersonalist. So, this jnana will cover, this desire for liberation will cover your pure bhakti. And that's why you find so many, so many instances. Here's Parikit. He's uh, ideal. He's the exemplar of, remember, the, the, of one of the nine? The hearing process, right? So, uh, he's sitting, you know, in a very austerely, seven days, seven nights, no eating, no sleeping, no drinking. Incredible. But he's not, that's not all he's doing. He's not meditating on the white light. He's hearing the Bhagavatam, drinking in the nectar. And he's saying, I don't care about, you know, the difficulties of this austerity. Just go on chanting the glories of the Lord. He's, he's subsisting on that nectar. That, you know, So, Anukuriyana Krishna Anushilanam, undiluted by this desire for liberation, and, or any desire for material uh, emolument, you know, the karma. So that's, that's the mission statement of this movement. That was what Lord Chaitanya taught. That's why he says, Nadanam, Nadanam, Nasundari. I'm praying to you, my Lord. I'm chanting, all right, I'm chanting now. But I'm not chanting in order to get wealth or a beautiful spouse or, or anything like that. You know, not even liberation. Janmani Janmani. I'm ready to come back with at the birth as long as I can be situated in your unmotivated devotional service. Now, unmotivated means no material motivation in the categories of jnana and karma. <coughs> there is a motivation which Rupa Goswami gave us to please Krishna, to see Krishna happy and satisfied. That's, that's the, the, uh, the ardent desire of the pure devotees. Now, we see, uh, you know, our great acharyas like Srila Prabhupada, he knew, there's no, there's no question. Lord Chaitanya said, especially everyone born in, in, in Bharat, in Bharatavarsha, make their life perfect and then save the world, give them Krishna consciousness. That was in order for everyone, every, every one of, uh, of the residents of Bharatavarsha, what to speak of the disciples of Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati. He was very explicit. And, uh, but the one who actually underwent all the austerities to do that and accepted you know, the difficulties was Sri Prabhupada. So we're followers of his, and we're meant to follow in that line. So Prabhupada so beautifully here uh, quotes these verses from the Bhagavad Gita, the ones that we chanted together, uh, illustrating uh, the point of this verse, which is that there's no more auspicious means of deliverance than what is aimed at the direct devotional service of Lord Krishna. And uh, so then he says, uh, as already explained in the text of Srimad Bhagavatam, first canto, uh, either direct bhakti or the means which ultimately culminated. That, that reminds me of the second chapter, Savaipong Sangparo Dharma. What is, what, is the, what is real Dharma? You know, this should be a concern of every human being. Because without Dharma, it's just animal life. You know, Dharma Hitesha Madhiko Vishesha, Dharma Nihina Pashubi Samaj, Madhahito Padeshma So Dharma, real Dharma, differentiates animal life from human life. Human life means the life of the Aryans, 
those who know the values of life, those who know, those who know the value of human life, and act to actually achieve the goal of human life, which is reiterated throughout the Bhagavatam. And here, right at the beginning, of the, se- in the second chapter, near the beginning of the whole Bhagavatam, he's giving us the, the ultimate goal. So, uh, bhakti yoga without any tinge of food of activity constitutes the highest form of religion. That's exactly from the verse I quoted from Bhaktisanta Sindha. Everything else is simply a waste of time. Now, this, this idea of, of accepting the, the urgency, the urgency of, of uh, striving to perfect our lives, no matter what age we are. You know, we don't know how old we are, meaning how close to death. We, in, in one sense, it's a blessing to get old, because there's no question that it's coming at you. you know, there's, a, there's a real urgency that you get, okay, you know, now let me really get serious for whatever time I have. But that's true for every, every one of us. We don't know. And so that urgency, there's a beautiful verse that was taught to me by Mahavishnu Maharaj the Elder, I think I mentioned them in, in uh, context of that poem, uh, the, the eight verses of the Kevalashtika that I gave last night. And uh, there's this nice little, uh, I don't want to say it's a pastime, but my interaction with him, when he was in San Diego, uh, he would visit quite often. And uh, one year, I, we both saw each other in Vrindavan. So he wasn't a sannyasi yet, he was a brahmachari, and we were both standing in line waiting for prasadam. And uh, I said, as I do in often contexts like that, where I've kind of got a captive audience, you know, I know that you're going to be around for a while. <laughs> I like to like sit down with someone who's taking, they're taking prasadam, a bunch of devotees, you know, and I don't take prasadam. I said, how would you like to hear a nice shloka? I said, okay. <laughs> and they're all they're like that. <laughs> so anyway, I asked him, as I often do, would you like to hear a nice verse? He said, yeah. So he pulls out a pad to take it down. I never had anyone else, you know, write a pen on paper. So he wrote down the verse. I don't remember the one I gave him, probably something from Krishna Karnavrita. And then, uh, and then he gave me this verse, which I then uh, somehow found printed out, or he printed it out, and I memorized it. And it's exactly pertinent. So what the meaning is, my little uh, ditty, is that don't love the body, just a bag of flesh and blood and bone. It, this actually is from the Padma Purana. I, I found it in the text. Don't love the body, just a bag of flesh and blood and bone. Give up, give up your sense of ownership for all you think you own. At every moment, see that your world totters on destruction. Become detached and learn to love the Lord without obstruction. Now, I, I always, I always <laughs> explain that I really couldn't do justice to that last line. The Sanskrit is so exquisite there. By raga raga, get attachment for detachment. Become, become attached to being detached from this world. By raga raga and rasikobhava, become a, a taster of nectar, rasika, and bhakti nishtam. And this way become very fixed in devotional service. You know, if you understand the first three lines, that this body, you know, is, is not our shelter, it's not our home, it's certainly not a place of trying to enjoy all that enjoyment that we get, that everyone is mad after, the sense gratification, gross and subtle, and the mind is the biggest sense gratifier, is, is actually Maya's trick to keep us bound here. As Krishna, you know, I, I love to chant this verse, but I think Gita Wala knows it. Ye sans parjaja boga dukha yona evate. To be intelligent, to be thoughtful, Buddha, 
and understand that these pleasures that we're always after, dreaming about, we experience, we're thinking about, that, that uh, those are the source of our misery. They have a beginning and an end, and so the wise don't take their pleasure there. So it doesn't, the Bible time, our whole, our whole science of bhakti is not saying, therefore, no more pleasure. No, no, no. Go for the highest pleasure, the one that doesn't end, that doesn't have a beginning and an end. And he explains in the previous verse, uh, Right? And in the purport, he quotes that verse. Uh, uh, what is that? Uh, the yogis, Brahmante Yogido Nante Satyananda Charatmani Iti Brahma Parinasu Iti Rama Parinasu Puram Brahmani Gita. So the Gita verse says, Vayasvarsheshu uh, Asaktatma, not attached to, not striving for the contact of the senses with the sense object. Vayasvarsha literally means the touching, the external touching of the senses. Vindityatmani Yatsukam, enjoying the happiness within. Now, we know that the super soul is there, you know, but Prabhupada claims, yes, and Krishna is there also. He can manifest as Krishna, but otherwise, what's that verse in the Bible? Brahma Those who really achieve love of God and, and anoint their eyes with the salve of love and the beautiful poetic phrase by Lord Brahma, they see always Shama Sundar within their heart, the threefold bending form. And Prabhupada says, wherever Shama Sundar is there, all of, all of these associates and everything else is there. So you got the whole spiritual world there. It's not limited by time and space. <laughs> Meaning that you can be living in the Lok Vrindavan even when you're walking around in this world, as Prabhupada explained. It's where your consciousness is at. That means that every moment you can be tasting the nectar of Krishna consciousness, of, of your relationship with Krishna. That's the, the highest stage. Then where, can there, where is there room for some miserable desire for sense gratification to enter in? You see how it's completely defeated by that. There's several verses like that. Famously, this verse quoted twice in the purports of, ba- of Bhagavad Gita. Yadabadi mamacheta krishnapadada vinde navanamana sadhaman yudyadam vrantamasi tadabadi vadanadi sangame smarayamani this is a very dramatic verse. So here is it by Yamunacharya. I don't know if it's part of the Stoka Ratha or not, maybe. But uh, so what he's saying there now, his background is he was a great king, an emperor. So naturally, you know, uh, he had great opportunity for sense gratification you know, before he became a great Acharya. So here he's saying, ever since. I've been enjoying at every moment the ecstasy of serving Krishna's lotus feet, you know, tasting it every moment. Uh, since that time, whenever some remembrance bubbles up in my mind, which it will, you know, no matter what, what stage you're at, uh, of sex life, is it like, I, it's disgusting to me. I, my, my lips curl in the stasis and I spit at the thought. You know, this is, this is his distaste. Now, we can experience some of that, you know. Is anyone here, you know, hanker, you know, instead of a prasadam, say, well, maybe I'll go out and you know, have a Big Mac. <laughs> I mean, the very idea is disgusting, isn't it? But, but I, can, I, I like to tell this story because I, <laughs> maybe some of you, I'm not, I'm not you probably heard it while I was here, that I was there in uh, 1960 when, when uh, the McDon- McDonald's actually was established. And, <laughs> yeah. 
I think it was 1960 around that time. And so anyway, we, uh, you know, every Saturday, I'm in high school, we used to go bowling. Like we had a little bowling league and we go walking. And then one day, you know, maybe it took more than a day for the building thing, but we noticed, oh, this, this building they were building, that's going to be a restaurant. It's McDonald's and they're selling mm-hmm. hamburgers there. All right, so that will be now part of our routine, you know, before or after we have to get, we can go there and have a nice cheeseburger with fries, whatever, you know, and Coke, of course, plenty of Coca Cola. So that just became part of our routine. We didn't think, oh, this is a great sin or anything like that. It, it, it became impacted in our minds as something you really look forward to and desire, you know, taking us to hell. So, but who knew that? So, but, uh, you know, having been a devotee for all these years, and one of the first principles, of course, is vegetarianism. You taste the prasadam, and it's, you know, they explain to you it's vegetarian, you know, higher taste, all these. So, you completely lose that. What I'm saying is, and this was probably, he knew the science, you know, obviously. Make a very elaborate feast. He cooked those first few feasts in, in, in 26-second Avenue. Those who were there said, Super memorable, you know, you can't get the, the taste, you know, the problem in the bhakti, you could admit. So that uh, completely destroys, it overwhelms the desire for the, the sinful activity of eating meat, you know. And this is a general principle. Uh, Prabhupada was, I love to quote this verse uh, in San Diego, we're reading about uh, King Pritu and how uh, he, he, he got instructed by Vishnu. He kind of got lost a little bit when his, his hundred horse was stolen by Indra. He wanted to perform a hundred horse sacrifices, Ashtamedas, you know. But Indra said, oh, as, Indra is kind of almost like a foil in the Bhagavatam, you know. And he said, he loses it. He always loses his temper in it. And, and it means he loses his intelligence. So he, he disguises himself as a sannyasi. He appears on the scene and steals the hundred horse, you know, so that, that, that uh, Pito won't perform a hundred sacrifices, and maybe become so powerful, he'll take over my position. I mean, this is his calculation. That's why they was Indra. Did you notice, ever notice how it's kind of close to the word Indriya, which means senses? <laughs> anyway, so, so Prithu actually gets angry. His son goes after him. He wants to kill uh, Prithu's son. He's going to kill Indra. That, that stopped. But even Prithu was very angry. And so uh, Brahma comes down, and then finally Vishnu comes down, and kind of preaches to him. So, 99 is plenty, you know, it's fine. And so Peter goes through the, you know, this whole transformation and becomes even more advanced. He's a Shaktivesha. So then the next chapter, a couple of chapters, is the Sanat Kumara. As, you know, the Kumara's common. He's instructed by the Kumara. Wonderful instruction. And, and near the end, there's this verse Prabhupada would always quote in this regard. Yat paad pankata palasa valasa bhaktya karmashayam kutitabudgutayam tisantha Vajabhasudevam is simply an imperative, it means therefore worship Vasudeva, it's for us also. So Prabhupada, and I, I remember hearing a tape, he's chanting this verse, and he's just going over the first line again and again, relishing. <laughs> what it means is enjoying the spiritual pleasure, spiritual pleasure, which is fine, we want that, uh, of serving the toes of the lotus feet of, of, the, of the Lord. There's a balas, there's a pleasure. And what's the result of that pleasure, besides just experiencing pleasure? The last book there, karma shayam gotitam ungotiyanti santa, for the santas, the saints, the devotees, this cuts the knots of a material desire in the heart. It's called karma shayam, material aspiration. You know, which has all kinds of levels of, of, of uh, subtle and gross, 
planning way ahead, you know, 10 years down the road, I'm going to enjoy this. That's all karma, gratita. These are knots that are tying us, the knots in the heart that tie us to this material world. Gratita. That, that pleasure, the velas, destroys the knots, cuts the knots. So that's the great advantage of the bhaktas. Otherwise, how could we be sitting here? How could, how could the movement be expanding in spite of all of our attempts? To, 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 anyway, all the things that happened that you know, could have destroyed it, uh, it's not destroyed. Because there's a real substance there. Anyone who starts chanting Hare Krishna a little bit seriously, absorbs the mind, ex- experiences some of that vilas. And that vilas, at the very least, draws you on to, what it? let me read that book. I'm now experiencing it. I've had this book on the shelf, I've dabbled in it, let me just get a little serious. In other words, Krishna in your heart is giving you more inspiration to find out more and to, to delve deep, more deeply into this process. So part of it is reading this Bhagavatam and, and coming across verses like this. Now, uh, he's explaining here that there's no greater means. After he's explained another means, it's yoga. And, he said, but, and what we're going to read in the next few... Uh, Verses. It describes how uh, this is coming attractive. It's tomorrow's our last class, so we'll cover the to the end of the chapter. Uh, Brahma, he studied the, the Vedas three times. Now it was manifest in his heart, so he went over and over it, and he came to the conclusion that attraction for the Lord, Lord Krishna is the highest perfection of Dharma. Is it? In other words, this is all like conclusive stuff, and all these purports are great. Uh, then there's a purport which we won't investigate, which is famous, especially by those who work in the BI. How, how one can perceive and hypothesize in our acts of seeing and taking help from the intelligence the existence of Krishna in the heart. It's an amazing purport. Probably goes through step by step. You know, how you can see there has to be a, 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 a super soul because um, when you lose your keys or you're trying to remember something, it's actually kind of a prayer. You know, if you're trying to remember, and then if you're fortunate, you do remember. If you get older, you sometimes don't remember. But if, if you say, "Well, that's the super soul. He's giving you the instruction," and that's exactly what's happening at every moment. Why does he say in the Bhagavad Gita, "From me come knowledge and forgetfulness and remembrance"? <laughs> anyway, he goes through that. We won't read this one. But then there's the last two verses here in this chapter. It is, uh, it is therefore essential that every human being hear about, glorify, and remember the Supreme Lord, person of God, at always and everywhere. And the very last verse is, is the one that just really, just, uh, uh, you, you want to memorize it. Those who drink through the ears, fully filled with nectarian messages of Krishna, the beloved of devotees, purify the polluted name of life known as material enjoyment, and thus go back to Godhead, to the Lord's feet of Him, the personality of God. So this is like the whole conclusion of our... Uh, process is right here. It's based on hearing. And when you hear, then you want to repeat and chant. And that gives you the remembrance. And, and what do you hear about? All wonderful other ways of serving Krishna. All the other, the, the dasyam and the, and the puja and the surrendering everything, it all begins with hearing and chanting. And we can always do it. You may be wandering out there, driving in the car, wherever you are, you can hear, chant, or at least remember, which it comes from the hearing and chanting. So it's all here in these last few verses and wonderful purports. Prabhupada relates everything to you know, the social condition. How this is the only hope for the social condition. People are trying to adjust the material energy. He talks about politics here, you know, it's right out of the headlines. Uh, they're not going to be able to 
save themselves or improve the condition unless they take up this process of turning their attention toward Krishna and following in the footsteps of the, of the acharyas that Prabhupada has given us so much instruction here. Uh, so, any uh, comments or questions? The first line was Sanskrit, that last verse you were just referring to. The last verse? You want to hear the first line? You want to hear the second line? Hear the first line. <laughs> I want to hear the first line to see if I know the rest. Pabanti he bhagapata atmanak satam Yeah, drinking the katamrita. Tavakatamatam taptajivan. The gopis are singing, you know. Tavakatamatam taptajivanam. This nectar talks about you, O Krishna, who they're longing to come back to them, and he does come back. Is the life and soul of the living entities who are suffering in this material world. Taptajivanam. We're all taptajivanam. Tapta means burning threefoldly. Kavaviriditam kalmashapam. And it's sung by the greatest of realized poets. Beginning with Brahma, the Adi Kavi. Kavabhidam Kalmashapaham. These this nectar, the Krishna Katana, when vibrated by pure devotees, uh, destroys all sinful reactions. Kalmashapaham. Shavanamangavam, they are very auspicious to hear. Srimad, full of spiritual power. Atatam Bhuvigunandhi Buridajana. Those who are spreading your glories in this world are the greatest uh, welfare workers. You know, this is a very enlightening verse for all the Sankatan devotees. <laughs> Is the Gopi's place. And there's a whole pastime surrounding it having to do with Maharaj Pradaparuja. You know, Lord Chaitanya heard this verse. He's hearing, what I gather, he's hearing the five chapters of the Rasa dance there, I think. And this is like uh, the 31st uh, chapter. And then the 32nd chapter is the reunion, you know, where the Gopis are overjoyed to see Krishna, but they're kind of complaining, you know, uh, why did you leave? And then, then the Rasa dance is the 33rd chapter. So, <laughs> Uh, Lord Chaitanya would not agree to see Pradaparuja. There's this whole pastime, you know, in the CC. Because he's a king. It doesn't look good for, for, for you know, very strict sannyasi. They don't meet kings, you know, they're too much dollars and cents. And things. But Pradaparuja, you know, he's such an advanced devotee. All of the other devotees are, you know, asking, well, can you make an exception? He says, no, 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 I can't make an exception. said, okay, at least give him some garment of your old garment that he can have it. So he says, okay, so I worshiping that. Then, then he sends his son, who he, he's dressed you know, just like Krishna, and he looks like Krishna, he embraces the son. But finally, the Vratiyatra is coming, and so uh, it was a Ramananda Roy, a Sarvabhoma, one of them advised him, well, look, there's a certain place that's kind of called, what's it, Balagandi, there's a, there's a garden on the way that they stop, that the carts stop traditionally, and everybody brings their own little offering at that time. Lord Chaitanya will stop and rest there. He's going to be dancing, dancing for hours. So he'll stop and rest there. And you go there at that time, but not dressed as the king. They just wear gumsha or something. And then uh, you go there, and he'll, you know, you start singing, you know, Vasudanda, something from Bhagavatam. And you'll, he'll allow that, because it'll be in his baba, it'll be in the internal consciousness. You won't notice or at least pretend not to notice. And so there, so he goes, he starts massaging you know, Lord Chaitanya's legs and chanting this Rasa dance. When he gets to this verse, Lord Chaitanya stands up, gives him a big hug, embraces him, and says, your Buddha, Buddha means you're the most munificent, you know, because he's enlivening by chanting the verse. It's a wonderful pastime. But that, that verse especially, though, all those prayers are wonderful, you know, if you get by heart. But it's, uh, it's, it's a verse worth, worth, worth learning, at least the English. Because again, it's, it's foundational for this movement, you know, that people need 
you know, they're suffering in this world. What they need is Krishna Katha. They need Prabhupada's books. They need the holy name. They need to be the devotee who can, you know, impress them that we really care for you. We're not trying to just sell you something. This is the, the horror of this world. Even people who supposedly are trying to be your friends and give them, you know, we really want to help you. Yeah, we really want to think, convince you we want to help you so that you give us money for this other thing. The whole thing, and, and the, 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 the medical uh, industry I mentioned, it's totally corrupt. It's totally corrupt. One of the ladies uh, in, in, in San Diego is ill now. You, I don't know if you knew uh, Diane. She used to have these programs in North Carolina. So, cancer, you know, the, 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 uh, the medicine is $16,000 a month with it like cheap, you know. <laughs> she got some grant, she's going to be able to take it, you know. But it's a huge ripoff. It's, it's, it's totally demonic. Taking advantage of people's misery, that practically, you know, forcing them to mortgage their house so that they can get the medicine. This is, this is uh, medical industry, which is meant to be, you know, you're helping people. So, this is the real medicine, as we were mentioning. Babao Shadi, what is that verse? Nibhittatarsha, Upigiyamana, Babao Shadatshota, Mano Berama, Kadutumashloka, Gunama Vada, Puman Vada, Jetipina, Pushudnat. Beginning of 10th Kano, Cricket is chanting this verse in his request to, well, now please speak about Krishna's wheel. It says, when those, especially when your glorification is, is, is made by those who are Nibhittat Tarsha, free of all material desire, pure devotees, upagiyamana, when they sing that, then it acts like a medicine to cure the disease of birth and death. Baba Aushadi. And it's not a bitter medicine. Shodza mano virama is very delightful to the ear and the mind. You know? So who is that fool who would give it up? Or not take part? Ka uttama shloka. Uttama shloka. These are the greatest shlokas, the most beautiful sound vibration. Describing your guna, your qualities, instead of Who would give it up except you know, Kuman Virajeta Vina Pushudna. The Pushudna means two things. The meat eaters, you know, which are so sinful they can't get a taste. Or those who are impersonalists even, they're, they're killing themselves by de- denying, you know, Bhakti, your, your reality. So Pushudna, we don't want to be Pushudnas. You know. Yes, um, That verse is about the problem is talking about how to perceive a super soul. This is the, yeah, the previous. 2 through 35? Yes. Are you okay? What is this? What number is this? This is thirty-three. Okay. Because this, I, I discovered this. Um, because Just now. Prabhupada embedded the reference. <laughs> well, in, in Melbourne, uh-huh. Prabhupada embedded the reference in a purport. No, it's in the next purport. He says in the previous verse, but it's really in a previous verse. No, we're talking about when I was. We're there in Melbourne now. The, the whole Paranda Leela. Okay. So I, I was uh, in the part where the lady is responding to Corinthians flattery, uh-huh. flattering her, you know, to enjoy her, and she she represents like lusty intelligence, yeah, and uh, and she's telling him how they're going to enjoy, right? And so I got kind of uh, I'd heard so much about it that I said, let's do the other thing, let's find out, let's figure out how to find Krishna in the heart, because uh, you know this. The Gita says, "Senses, mind, intelligence are the sitting places of the lust." Uh-huh. But super soul is there too, right. and, and so and then I came upon this. And you're right, that purport. It's like multi, multi-page purport. Yeah, and you can you can become a realized soul just by reading that purport very carefully. 
Raphael, but you have to apply a little use of intelligence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that but comes up Raphael is bending over backwards to uh, to just have you realize Krishna's presence. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 a remarkable for it stands in and of itself. It really does. Yeah. Yeah. You're up. When uh, Indra appeared as a sannyasi, yeah, to steal the horse number one hundred, yeah. But that's not the business of sannyasis. No, no, no. Steal horses. He didn't appear like a horse thief, a burglar. Appeared as sannyasi. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, if memory serves correct, Prabhupada mentioned there that this is the origin of bogus sannyas. Yes, yes, he does. That's a big thing. I think there's something, some reference even in the text to that. Yeah. That this is the beginning of the corruption. Of, you know. Yeah. It's uh, it's Prabhupada makes a real point of that. So if you see bogus, some bogus, fake sannyas. Then it, it has its origins in Indra. Yeah. Well, in a, in a larger sense, yeah, it's like like all these bogus yogis, you know, because people don't know anything. So you know, the, the hot yoga, you know, and 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 I'm not going to get into, it, but it's it's so corrupted. It's like you know, the scandal, scandalous, yeah. you know, because it's so hot in there. You have to take up almost all your clothes. Please. You know. I mean, when I when I read about these things, you know, over the years. I just thank Prabhupada what he saved us from. Yeah. Because we were searchers. I mean, I remember, you know, um, I was getting interested in yoga and, you know, I was a vegetarian and that automatically, you know, makes you a little more sattvic. So I got involved in this thing, Namya Renge Kyo, Namya I didn't get involved, but I did want to go to one meeting. It was in Midtown Manhattan. There was an apartment right upstairs. And we had come, thank God, the, the chanting was over, but everyone was then testifying to the benefits of the chance, you know, to try to draw from other people in. So I'm sitting there and listening to this thing. I, I, I chanted, I got my car, I got this. And one, there was one guy who was blind, and he had been chanting seriously, and the guy became a dentist. Now, I don't know how he did that, but <laughs> somehow he got, you know, it was like a miraculous thing, you know. And I came out of there, and luckily, that wasn't my thing, you know. I wasn't looking to chant something to get through it, you know. I was looking some spiritual thing. But I just got a little taste of all this. Then there was another instance. This was earlier. Was it earlier or later? No, earlier. I was living on the Lower East Side, just a couple of blocks from Thompson Square Park, and, and I would hear the devotees, you know, 68. So they had the second temple on Second Avenue. Many don't know, they moved up and then they went to Brooklyn. And so I was, I, I was somewhat of a street musician. You know, I had an apartment, but I liked to go out and, and jam. I had a, this old drum, I had a flute. So I'm looking, but I'm looking for some strong rhythm. You know, I always look for some strong rhythm. So oftentimes in Tompkins Square Park, there'd be a bunch of guys jamming with congas, you know, and I play the flute. You know. But sometimes I'd hear this chink, 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 and, and Madunga drum. I said, well, that sounds like a pretty strong beat. And I go around the corner. That's just a hard Christian. Are you kidding me? You know, that, I, I can't put it. That's where I was at. But but uh, eventually, I got uh, involved with Ramakrishna Mission. They had a strong presence there, and they still do. A very nice uh, facility in the Upper East Side, which is a rich area in Manhattan. You know. And uh, I was getting really deeply involved with them. I even bought the Sharirika Basha book, you know, the trans Nikolananda's translation of Sharirika Basha, which was death for the devotees. You know, the Lord Chaitanya says, "What is it? Maya Vadi Basha Shunai So I saw Everything's finished." I had the book, but I never read it, never opened it, thank God. <laughs> but then, then there was a fellow there who was a Ram Bhakta. He was an Indian 
gentleman, he was a young guy, and they just, they just started opening up the immigration. This is one of the things that Ramananda mentioned, how yeah. it was easier for Prabhupada like to stay. Yeah. You know? And so uh, he was one of the first wave of young engineers who were coming in, and they were going to get established and bring their family over. But so he, he was familiar with Ram Krishna, he found out, so we became friends. And he would always tell me all this leave about Ram, it was fascinating. You know? So he said, uh, so they had their Sunday thing, their Sunday lunch around noon, you know, or one o'clock or something. So I was invited, you know, we'd go up there. And then he said, well, why don't we go down to the Hare Krishna temple, you know, in Brooklyn? They have a date, because they have a dinner on Sunday, we're going to have two, two dinners. <laughs> so he didn't have a car, I had a car, I said, okay, let's try it. You know, so that's how I first went to the temple, the Gorgon temple. Oh, no, that no, no, this is a Brooklyn. yeah, the Henry Street, yeah. Henry Street. But but uh, the the idea is that you know Prabhupada he he very expertly created this movement so that it's attractive even for someone who's just uh, slightly interested and curious for for a spiritual life, and you become attracted, and there's the devotees which are attractive, and the prasadam which is so attractive, the art which is so attractive, the music, you know. And uh, naturally, you become curious. And the main, the, the most important thing, is that you find a friend there. You find someone who is not trying to sell you something. You know, I mean, of course, the books that you acquire, you expect that. But they're they're really trying to bring you along. I remember Gadadri. He'd take you downstairs and give me some prasad. The prasad, you know, free, and uh, teach me about basics of Krishna consciousness. So that's that's how the movement really is spread. Krishna through the devotees attracts. People who are receptive to investigate more. Okay, it's nine o'clock now. Thank you for your attention. All those who probably will finish this section tomorrow. So, Suresh Prabhu, I have a request. Come on, time. I'm sorry? Come on, time. No, 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 the request is there. You study this verse 237. You can memorize it. 237? Yeah, the one about drinking. Oh, yeah. The Pabanti ye Bhagavata Atmana Sata. It's going to be. It rhymes. Beginning and the end of it. Pabanti, Vichanti. Uh, this is tomorrow? Uh, we're going to, yeah, we'll, we'll chant that one tomorrow and I'll kind of summarize it, give you a couple of verses. That's the sounds, end of the chant. It sounds like your kind of verse. It's my kind of verse. <laughs> when I first read it, I memorized it. <laughs> and the purple is great, of course, also. When you just said at the end, I just, you know, you know we have the Prabhupada tributes that Prabhupada Yeah, sure. So, for SDG, they started SDA tributes this year. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, and I wrote, I just wrote one, and it was all about how I stayed only because of Sensitive Ah, the Boston. Yeah, in 1977, because I, I actually looped for one night, but he then had found me in the park. <laughs> and he brought me to the, back to the temple in Austin, or Beacon Street, and he sat me down on the porch with that group, and he became my friend. And then I was able to stay. Yeah, yeah. Otherwise, I, I, felt, I, I, said I felt like a kid at a playground. I couldn't get on. Yeah, it was yeah. too bewildering. Yeah. That's, that's the essence of preaching. And, and you, know, you, you know, in the first you know, stage of when Prabhupada is 
planning to see you. you know, it's like, he would spend as much time as he did with the devotees. They would come out and talk to him. That's so good, yeah. You know, and that, he knew that he invited great value to that. But it's not always that the most effective teaching that he, that he experiences when he's actually preaching one on one. There's a statement there. And then you can be addressing with 10,000 people, but nobody. Right. To one person. Yeah. 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 That's, that's, that principle is always there. That's that's why book distribution happens one on one. Yeah. The book, of course, is selling. Yeah. How you present it. How you feel about it. Here. Getting out of this seat is. It's harder when you get older. Oh. Okay. I'm gonna come.